Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 90 of Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo. We've got a really special episode today. One of my favorite guests making, I believe it's your fourth appearance on my 90 episodes. It is Mike Golick Jr., host of the Gojo Pod over at DraftKings. Mike, thanks for coming in today. No, appreciate it. Four, four out of 90 is a good ratio. I'll take that. It's, it's not bad. You know, you're right up there with like Orlovsky and like Lofa Tatupu is my most uh, recurring guests. Man, that's a quite a trio in that group. <laughs> and I would say, especially excluding Arlovsky, good taste on that one. Since yeah. <laughs> we have donuts in front of us that Dan would recoil at right now. I love Dan to death, but I'm sure just this proximity to donuts would give him hives. Has Dan ever seasoned food in his life? No, I, I think the worst day on the internet for Dan, who I think really loves going and just dropping what he knows are bad food takes onto the internet. He does. The peak of that was when he pulled open his spice rack that I think maybe had salt and pepper in it <laughs> at home. So it, it, it's uh, it's an interesting life choice for Dan. I know big fitness guy, loves the Beachbody.com workouts, but at some point, I think the NFL live crew around him has done a really good job. Mina Kimes, you know, Marcus Spears, Laura Rutledge of introducing him to flavor as they've gone along. And it's been wonderful watching him spread his wings. I love that crew, by the way. You've got Dan, who, like you said, maybe there's salt and pepper on his spice rack. And then Marcus Spears is like the human embodiment of spice. Yes, Marcus <laughs> is is human seasoning. Marcus, <laughs> like, and, and, you know, in all seriousness, Dan's an awesome guy, an awesome analyst. And he is so dedicated to the craft that he supplies all these original opinions and all these things that come from all that film study. You've got everyone kind of occupying a role. Marcus Spears is the ultimate teammate. Marcus Spears can walk into any room and make every person in that room feel like they're the most important part of that process. Like they are an equal with someone who's accomplished as much as Marcus Spears has. That's a hard thing to do. And he does it effortlessly. It's awesome. He is one of the best people I've ever been around. Yeah, he's great. The show's great. But Mike, <clears throat> you did allude to the donuts in yeah. front of us so you know for those of you who have listened to the first 89 episodes of Serralo sports talk you all know that i do a segment almost every episode called the Serralo pick six well in honor of having mike here the man who made the term thick six famous we are going to do the Serralo thick six we've got six different types of donuts we're going to eat a donut rate the donut and then dive into a different topic so mike are you ready for the first donut i think so yeah let's let's uh, do it let's do it i think we, we got, got an go. apple fritter on top Ooh, all right fritter nation so up. this is uh right. this thing's legit what are we thinking about the apple fritter strong yeah. good uh good outer crust it's good crunch it's good and uh soft in the middle that's an eight out of ten that's a good donut this is uh i will admit this donut shop right by my apartment I just like you recently moved to LA. I got out here in uh in April. You yeah. got here when June? June. And uh you, you need, you know, when you move somewhere new, you need to set a foundation, right? You need a pizza spot, can't really get that in LA. You need a bagel spot, can't really get that in LA. This is, you know, we're both from the oh, northeast. Yeah. I got a donut spot, though, and this is it. And the apple fritter is my go-to donut at, that, at it, that place. It's one of the most important relationships that you can set in your life. Um, when I lived in West Hartford, Connecticut, a, shop, a shop called Donut Crazy opened about 100 yards from my house. Oh, wow. And That's I made dangerous. it my mission to go over there and support them and make sure that they were going to survive. This was pre-pandemic and all that. But all along the way... Owner became a close friend of mine, went over there all the time. And so having a spot like that, like cheer style, where everyone knows your name, vital in the donut <laughs> game. Amazing. So let's dive into the first topic. This is a pretty relevant one for you. Notre Dame football. Yep. Season's over. You guys are going bowling. Congrats. Eight and four. First year under Marcus Freeman. 
first off, give me your overall thoughts on the season. On Marcus's first full year, obviously came in for the bowl game a year ago. You know, Marshall, Stanford, those games were disappointing, obviously. But what, what do you think? Eight and four, how you feeling? Uh, you know, I, I came off that feeling really good for just what you mentioned. There was a lot of adversity early on in the season. I think overall in college football this year, we saw a pretty interesting trend emerge. First-year head coaches had a lot of success. You looked up and down the top 15 most of this year. You know, Lincoln Riley, not a first-time head coach, but a yeah. first year at his new school at USC. Dan Lanning, first-time head coach going over to Oregon, had them up near in the top 15 for most of college football uh, season. Marcus in that mix. Sonny Dykes at TCU. Again, not a first-time head coach, but first year at TCU, likely on the verge of a college football playoff berth. And so it is possible to come in and microwave success pretty early in the portal era, but Marcus, we know it was a bit of a different situation. He was in-house there at Notre Dame as the defensive coordinator. You're coming off five straight double-digit win seasons with Brian Kelly, who had been a season coach, the all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame history, which is a wild thing to say at that school. And so for Marcus, I, I, I think the context of that is important coming in. He came in and instantly revitalized recruiting. They're currently like the number three recruiting class for 23 in most recruiting outlets. And I think just in general had a different energy. He's a younger coach and someone that's leaning into so much of what's good about modern football. The on-field stuff was going to be an adjustment when you haven't done those things before and you open up the season against an Ohio State team that was number two in the country until this last week. The stakes feel a little bit different. And for him early in that season, starting off 0-2 with that loss against Marshall on there, having all the noise around the program for him and offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, And for that locker room, those players hadn't lost multiple games like that in a season in quite some time. They had won everyone who had been on campus there outside of the freshmen had only won double digit games in their time at Notre Dame. And so it could have been a shock for them. They could have folded up and said, well, the college football playoffs out of the picture. We don't have those normal lofty goals we're used to. And instead, they went to work. And you can see all across the board from the quarterback and Drew Pine, who started the year as a backup. Tyler Buckner, the starter, got hurt early in the season in that game against Marshall. And then from there on, Drew Pine wasn't perfect. He's not the most talented guy in the world. But by the time we got to the USC game, played by far his best game of the year. The offensive line gelled together. Defense had a new coordinator and a new voice in their ear in Al Golden. And all of that, uh, I think you saw so many people step up and improve. A lot of young guys in skill areas that Notre Dame hasn't always been known for step up in a big way down the stretch. And so I was encouraged by the trajectory because that kind of development is, to me, indicative of coaching. It's having the right people in the building and a testament to the players in that locker room and the kind of leadership they demonstrated through the season. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you really summed that up really well. It was uh, it was a tough start to the year, but overall, when you look at the way that they finished, you know, they beat North Carolina handily. And North Carolina, I think at the time of that game, people didn't realize just how good uh, Drake May and the Tar Heels were man and you guys whooped Clemson I, I mean you know if the Marshall and Stanford games don't happen right if they're corrected maybe if there's a little more chemistry between the coaching staff the players you guys could have easily gone into that USC game with that game being a winner goes to the college football playoff matchup 100 percent. and you know what those games did happen though mm-hmm. and this Notre Dame team this year towards the end of Brian Kelly's era had prided themselves on they had a streak something ridiculous I think it was like 40 plus games without losing to an unranked opponent Wow. And they had started to, and I think that's the hallmark of a great team, is you don't go out there. You win all the winnable games. You make your layups. And then Notre Dame had problems on the high end with the winning the big game stigma that's been there. But this team had to learn over again. And you saw this last year. There were a lot of close games against some not-so-great teams last season with Brian Kelly still at the helm. 
that a veteran coach and a veteran quarterback like they had last year can kind of cover up. This year you had to learn, all right, we can't just go out and out-talent everyone at this point that we're at in program development right now. You might get back to there pretty soon, but it requires that same effort week in and week out and that same attention to detail. And I was a part of a bunch of bad teams that had that wax and wane and would lose games we weren't supposed to to Syracuse and Tulsa and UConn. And so it's part of that process. And to see them erase that by season's end was really encouraging. Yeah, it absolutely was. Now, look, you know, we spoke about this a little bit outside before we started taping. Caleb Williams. I mean, you said it best. They didn't lose to USC. They lost to Caleb Williams. What have you seen from this kid all year? I mean, I just the Heisman to me is not even a competition anymore. Like CJ Stroud, two late interceptions, you know, Drake May back to back rough weeks. It's Caleb's award, right? Yeah. And I think it's a reminder, right? The Heisman and the way that we administer it is always sort of an an inexact science of a process mm-hmm. because if you want to talk about doing the most with the least, I think Drake may would qualify in that category. I think when you look in that offense out of sight of one great skill receiver, you're looking at a team that turned over a bunch of talent, didn't block much in front of him and on defense, didn't stop anybody. And that guy still has them in the ACC championship game That's and fair. still had them within shouting distance until last week of a potential college football playoff berth. Like until them and Clemson notched their second losses, that was a conversation that we were still having this season. And so I think Drake deserves a ton of credit for coming in and replacing Sam Howell, who was an all-timer at that school and the first quarterback and max time back in North Carolina and and doing that. So I I do want to couch it with that because Caleb Williams has a bunch of talent around him. He's got a Joe Moore Award semifinalist offensive line in front of him. Jordan Addison was the Blitnikoff winner last year that came over. So, but that being said, you you just watch the way he goes about. When I was getting ready uh, to just, you know, start thinking about the Notre Dame SC game. I went back and watched, I think the one other team defensively that I thought, you know, all right, would be comparable. Oregon state held them to a bunch less points. I think the offense was in a different place then too, but Oregon state deserves a ton of credit. That's been a really fun team. Great the last season. couple of years. And, but I went back and watched the Utah game. And in the first four plays of the Utah game, Caleb Williams made three plays that I rewound eight times, <laughs> like three plays that Zach Wilson pro day throw mm-hmm. where he was rolling left and threw the ball back across the one that everyone replays now, ironically, because he's been benched. Caleb Williams did that throw in a real human game yeah. and he put it on the money and the receiver just happened to drop it early in that game. But he does the Mahomes stuff. He does the thing that maybe five guys walking the earth can do. And so in the course of that game, you saw Notre Dame defensively wasn't perfect, but a lot of that had to do with Caleb Williams as a run threat, being able to run some of those you know zone read plays, especially down by the red zone. Him obviously being able to bail them out on third and a mile when he can scramble around and no one seemed to be able to touch that guy. And so he's incredibly special. He's a nightmare for opposing teams and for a coach making that transition to Southern Cal. What a blessing to have a player at the most important position who happens to be one of the most talented, who also knows your scheme coming over with you from Oklahoma and is able to help get all these guys up to speed preseason and as the year goes along. Yeah, it's been a fun season. Fun first year for me. I've kind of adopted USC as my local team since moving out here. Oh, good, good yeah, pick. Good so pick. It's, it, well, it's worked out well. Yeah, big, <laughs> big 10 country treating you well already. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I got to kiss ass a little bit. Our boss is a USC alum. So there you go. Hey, listen, smart man. Got to yeah. know to keep the right people happy. Hey, you know, it's almost renegotiation time. So <laughs> it's always a contract here. Let's uh let's let's dive into another one. Although you're actually still feeling uh finishing up that apple fritter, but uh I'll let you pick the next one. All right. Um we got some jelly in the corner. 
Oh, I'm not a big jelly guy, so I'm really? going to go for this pumpkin pie thing right pumpkin here. Pumpkin cream cheese. Ooh, let's, there let's we go. Let's do that. All right. Mm. Pumpkin cream cheese, second donut. Cheers. Mm. Mm. What are we thinking? It's probably like a solid six and a half. It's good mm. pumpkin flavor. I'm not a big filled donut guy. Okay. So I'm glad I only got two of those then. Yeah, no, exactly. Listen, it's part varieties of spice of life. It's part of the experiment. That's very but true. Yeah, I'd say it's a rock solid. I do love pumpkin as a flavor. I know okay. the whole basic tag gets lobbed at anyone that orders a PSL or something like that. Very true. Let it fly. Fall okay. is fall, man. Pumpkin's a good flavor. It happens every year because people like it. Oh my God, so much drool. <laughs> so much drool. <laughs> No, it's a, the, wa some water the water ain't even going to help. It's not dry. It's lubed up here. This is what happens when I eat and try and do shows, which is bad because I eat and do shows a lot. Is that a recurring theme for you? Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm my father's son. My dad, for years, the bit on Mike and Mike was he would shove a whole donut in his mouth, read a sentence, and they would have people call in, and the person who guessed it right would get some sort of prize they were giving away that day. That's so it's uh Yeah, I, I the family gene pool is strong. It, it obviously is. Well, look. I've always, you know, struggled with this debate. When it's fall time, apple versus pumpkin. I'm an apple guy. Really? So for me, like that fritter blew that pumpkin donut out of the water. See, well, I think the fritter was more well done. I think this is also an issue of quality. I went okay. two weeks ago. Where were we? Um, I want to say. Was that Baylor? It might have been in Waco where I had a donut that had a piece of pumpkin pie on top of it. Wow. And it was one of the more electric things that I had ever seen or experienced as a man. <laughs> and that one, tremendously well done. You somehow got donut flavor and the pumpkin pie flavor all in one. So I would say the quality of that going up against the quality of that fritter would probably be a more equal fight. Because I'm generally out on apple. Like, I don't like apple pie. I don't like eating apples normally here. Interesting. Pumpkin pie is, you know, number one in my draft of Thanksgiving items. So. Which we did a couple of years ago on the show. We, yes. we did a Thanksgiving uh, snake draft. Exactly. That was so. That was one of the better moments in Serralo Sports Talk history through the first 90 episodes. It's tried and true, man. Like, people get down. Like, I understand certain things we probably need to leave in the past. Like, we probably don't need to have as much of the hot dog as a sandwich debate anymore. Yeah. We don't need to have as much as Die Hard a Christmas movie anymore. <laughs> right. But Thanksgiving plate draft, it's one of those tried and trues that we can go back to that everyone appreciates. Every year it's relevant. So, second donut, second topic. Uh, let's talk the Hugh Freeze hire. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Look, we we love a redemption story, but at the same time, you know, yeah. was this an appropriate hire by the University of Auburn? Uh, yeah, I want to be clear. It's not a redemption story. This is a story about people that want to win. Auburn wants to win badly, and they saw a guy beat Nick Saban two years in a row at Ole Miss, and they think that he can do that. And that's that's what this is, because there is a lot of this that's going to be difficult for people to digest. Yeah. This is not about what happened at Ole Miss. At Ole Miss, where, for anyone that was unfamiliar, Hugh Freeze was found by school officials to have made multiple calls to an escort service on a school-issued phone. He claims it was done by mistake. Multiple times is a mistake on that. You, know, you, you draw your own conclusions. That stuff, the probe about playing players, I don't really care about that stuff. What you do inside your marriage, not my business. Mm. What you do paying players, we see it happening now all the time. It's got a legal name in NIL. I think that's objectively great. I think players deserve money, and so I have no problem with that, even if you know some of that stuff you can say is inconsistent with the persona that he puts forward publicly. But 
when you go and look at Liberty, uh, there was a young woman there who was a part of a 20-person lawsuit against the university for mishandling sexual assault cases on campus. Mm-hmm. This young woman was an alleged sexual assault victim that received a DM unprompted from Hugh Freeze in defense of Ian McCaw, their athletic director, yeah. who was also the athletic director at Baylor during the Art Bryle scandal there, and questioned why, you know, saying she didn't know Ian McCaw and that he was a Christ-like leader, and she put these two, you know, DMs out there not to you know do anything other than to say i don't want to have contact with this person i'm putting this out here to let him know i do not want to have this kind of contact and so i I, the one thing i want to make abundantly clear is people that are objecting to this do not object to what happened at Ole Miss. That is, you know, whatever you want to deal with morally there, but it is about what happened at Liberty and that being part of something. Because redemption narrative, second chances have to happen when progress has been made and there's actual contrition that's shown. And I don't think we've seen that in this situation. So once again, this is about Auburn making a choice about winning that we see happen time and time again. Deshaun Watson's getting ready to play a football game this week. We see organizations and teams and groups in sports make decisions that are in their mind in the best interest of winning that's uh, that's a good way to look at it i think a lot of people are focusing on the Ole miss thing because obviously hugh freeze has coached in the sec and Ole miss is more relevant to that than what's going on at liberty but isn't it i mean look you went to a catholic school in notre dame one of two catholic fbs schools and isn't it just wild how you have a school like liberty that speaks so much of religion, and then you look at all the corruption there. I don't know if you saw that Hulu documentary yeah, about no. the president who was paying the pool boy. Oh, yeah. It, it's <laughs> And listen, it's it's you know certainly that's a larger scale conversation even than this as far as you know the other policies that uh, occur on campus uh, there at Liberty. And so, yeah, it, it's certainly, uh, again, kind of a microcosm of what we see in sports in general, but definitely in college sports in a lot of places. Yeah. Now, when you look at other coaches that might be on the move, Deion Sanders, obviously the biggest name. There are reports that he's more likely than not to take the Colorado gig. Do you think Deion going to Colorado is a good idea? I mean, what he's done at Jackson State's been incredible. I feel like he can do better when he's ready than Colorado. Yeah, I so I, I yeah, I've heard interesting stuff on that. I don't think Deion's gonna take the Colorado job. I, I think that like you said, he and he said he's had interest from other Power Five jobs. When he confirmed that he had been offered the Colorado job, he said, and I've had interest from other places too. Yeah. And I think ultimately we're going to see him wait around for what he believes is a better opportunity. That Colorado program's in really bad shape right now, coming yeah. off of what you know what happened under Carl Durrell, maybe the worst team in Power Five football for the majority of this season. And it, it, it's interesting for Dion because I think so often we have conversations about you know blackhead coaches, minority candidates in coaching who unfortunately look at job opportunities and say, well, if I take the wrong one, even if these are so few and far between, I may not get the second chance that my white counterparts get. I may not get one of those opportunities for a redemption narrative or for a retread hire somewhere else. I do wonder if Deion Sanders would be uniquely insulated to handle that just because he's prime, because he's such a built-in name. He's already had success at one stop, and because he's a Hall of Famer, he brings the bona fides and the attention for his reputation that might transcend some of the things that plague you know other coaches that look like him I still don't think he ends up taking that job but I I found myself thinking about that more and more lately as far as the scarcity of these positions and how it affects you know the choice and the options for minority candidates a lot of times you know it's funny that you brought that up about second chances because the the most notable Uh, event that comes to mind for me is not in college it's in the NFL and it's the Arizona Cardinals yeah you look at Steve Wilkes who got one year 
with an absolutely atrocious roster and was a one and done. They bring in Kingsbury, who's done nothing but underperform for four years. Yep. And, well, four years later, here he still is. This should be his last year, I would say. Well, I mean, remember this offseason, they re-signed everybody. Yeah. They re-signed Steve Keim, their general manager. They re-signed Cliff, and they re-signed Kyler. And no one seemed to feel good about any of those. Yeah. It was like putting on a big Thanksgiving dinner when mom and dad are getting ready to get divorced. <laughs> like, everyone wants to make it look like we've got it together. And as soon as Kyler signs that contract, we hear about the homework clause. Yeah. And then we see the, uh, the Cliff Kingsbury and him back and forth during the preseason about having call Kyler call plays in the fourth quarter that seemed to have a little bit more tension than the headlines maybe would have indicated on the surface. And so, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury is a great example of that. And that Cardinals organization, though, just in general, an example right now of one that you know, on the surface, you think you've got your star quarterback there. You act like and you've signed all these people that are supposed to be the tent poles of an organization. It's not really working like that in practice. And you have to wonder about that organization from the top down right now. Yeah, it's not working at all. Third donut. You ready? Third donut. Let's do it. We've got a crumb cake donut. We've got jelly. Oh, We've yeah. got buttermilk. Crumb cake. Crumb cake donut it is, huh? Or no, this might is this a cinnamon roll or a crumb cake? Oh, that might be the butterfly. Oh, I'm actually wow. gonna have to. Yes, butterfly. that is the butterfly. The crumb cake one is in the corner. So I don't know what's on top here. Is that are you getting coconut? What what, what are we getting on top of that? I'm not really sure. It just seems like sugar. I don't know. It's damn good though. That is, it's it's pretty doughy. It's moister than I would have expected. There it is. That that's the word we needed on this show. We we needed a moist reference, and we got it. On the third donut. So, one thing that you and I have in common. Well, we, we have a few things in common, right? We both just moved here. We both love food. We both love football. We both love The Bachelor. Mm. And I got to be honest, Mike. You know, I really wanted to address this with you because it, it hurts my heart. I'm losing my love for The Bachelor. Yeah. I, oh, no. I've... I've I found that recently part of it is the difficulty of once football season starts. Right. Monday nights get monopolized pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And so I've missed a lot of this season. I've missed all of Bachelor in Paradise so far. I want to get caught up on that and Love is Blind season three because I very much enjoyed season two of that one. I parachuted yeah. in for that. And that one a little bit easier to consume just because it's less time. Like Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise, you're also talking about towards the end, some two night a week specials where it's two hours long. And if you get behind a little bit on that, you're screwed. There's too much content out here right now. That's the other thing we always run into. There's too much stuff. I don't recommend shows to people anymore. Yeah. I can't do it because it stresses me out when someone recommends it to me because they love it enough to bring it to me. And I'm like, listen, buddy. I'm not going to watch this. Yeah. I'm watching some like UNLV football cut up on my iPad most weeks or getting right. ready for a game or guilt tripping myself into something like that. I, I barely watch any television outside of shows that are on live during most of the season. It takes me months to read a book during football season. So I, I, I've stopped recommending shows to people for that reason. But it has it all. It, it's also kind of hurt my bachelor and bachelorette watching, which sucks because for so long that's been my reality TV show du jour. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the first thing I think we bonded over. Yeah. When we met at Radio Row down in, I believe it was Atlanta, ahead of that Super Bowl. Like, that was, I, we spent the whole show talking about Pilot Pete. And Man, what a, what a time that <laughs> what was. What a throwback, right? Yeah, it, it's, no, it, it's, it's produced some iconic moments, I think, you know. Windmills. Windmills, uh, the fence jump season that happened, I think, with Colton. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm actually in a group chat that's called the Fence Jump Fans that started during that season. Wait, who who is in this group chat? I, I need uh, that's incredible. That is uh, me, Mina Kimes, and Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> so all three Bachelor aficionados at one point or another that were bonding over that season. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. For me, it's just the quality of the show. I feel like has declined a little bit. It, it's just. You know, you had those iconic moments, right? You had the windmill with Pilot Pete. You had the fence jump. I mean, you know, the first season I ever watched, JoJo was the Bachelorette. You had Jordan yep. Rogers, right? Like, and I just feel like lately it's it's just lost its flair in Bachelor in Paradise this year. Like, I didn't know a single person. I had missed maybe the last two seasons of The yeah. Bachelor, and I didn't know anyone on Paradise. I still maintain that Paradise, every once in a while, they put a couple of randos in just to really test us. And yeah. I don't think those people were ever on a season, actually. <laughs> okay, that's And I think they make true. up a background for them. But, yeah, and I mean, you had the two Bachelorette season um, in this most recent one over right. the summer, which I, I think showed promise early and failed to execute late. Mm -hmm. I think you kind of saw whether it was intentional or not. And I don't put anything past the Bachelor Nation producers. They are some of the most calculated, diabolical people on <laughs> earth with the things that they concoct. Yeah. But we saw how it kind of seemed like they were making it up as they went along with that. And at certain times, it didn't feel fair to the women involved. At certain times, it didn't feel fair to the men involved. And so it was uh, it was clunky for something that I thought. Because at this point, they got to find ways to spice it up. They've been doing the same thing for so so damn long it's getting a bit old it's the, definitely the one thing i will say jesse palmer's been outstanding he has jesse stepped and he into looks a, great he <laughs> he's always he's always he's always looked great he's the author of one of my favorite bachelor moments of all time where he forgot the girl's name at the rose <laughs> ceremony gave the rose to the wrong woman anyone who hasn't seen it just google that one spend some time on youtube it's an all-time bachelor scene we've all been there just maybe not on tv yeah that's that's why i was always empathetic because for everyone involved especially those first couple nights it's a lot of names no one's wearing name tags it's very and especially like when it's the bachelorette and it's all these guys you get a lot of the same dudes with the same haircut who are all like you know six four white dude like yeah same buzz cut. <laughs> you know i could say like embellishing their football career a little bit or <laughs> yeah. you know it However, however you want to put it there, but Jesse stepped into a tough role, like Chris Harrison leaving that role after being the face of the franchise for so long. Jesse stepping into that pretty effortlessly and dominating. You want to talk about it? Like Michael Strahan obviously is the pinnacle of former athletes doing a variety of things. Oh, yeah. He is probably the name at that spot, at least that I can think of right now. But you look at Jesse all across the board, college football, ESPN, hosting The Bachelor. He hosts a couple of like cooking channel shows or travel channel, like food shows also. Man's, man's a bit of a chameleon. He's he's definitely, you know, got that versatility. You do too. I mean, come on, you've done the hot dog eating contest. Like how many people have that on their resume? Yeah, no, you know what? That's a fair point there. That is going to always be one of my prouder uh, resume marks. I like to think I maxed out the amount of like, Weird things that I watched a lot as a kid uh -huh. that I wanted to take on at ESPN because, you know, I was fortunate to get to do a bunch of stuff around radio and TV and all that. But getting to do the hot dog contest and cover that, getting to go and MC the Dr. Pepper halftime challenge, the Big 12, like Amazing. muscle memory. I feel like I should be flying to Arlington this weekend because <laughs> I'd done that the last three years. And so it was, you know, a bunch of stuff like that that was always really cool to be able to get to do. So not quite Jesse Palmer level, but like a Costco brand, Jesse. <laughs> there you go. You're you're working your way up, man. Um, what other dating shows do you watch? You said Love is Blind. You jumped in season two. Yeah. I jumped in this year for season three. Won't spoil it for you, but there's there's some characters. I've I've seen some of the controversy that spilled over to TikTok. Okay. And Bartice, seems... does that name ring a bell? Yes. He sucks. 
Okay. <laughs> All right, you said that's that's kind. Of, my sister's been watching. I parachuted in on one episode with her uh, with her when she came out. And we went to the Harry Styles concert. Ama- and, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I need details. I know. <laughs> yeah. I had, to, I had to just sprinkle that one right. in um, as I got my uh, Apple Music top plays for the year. Music for a sushi restaurant was the number one stream song. <laughs> Incredible. Harry's House was the number two album for me behind Midnight's by Taylor Swift, which had an incredible late season surge to take the crown on that. But Can't yeah, Sam Shock. Harry's House was incredible. That little British boy just wants people to have a good time. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. So do you watch any other shows or is it just Love is Blind and The Bachelor? It's hard. Yeah, that's that's where I've been lately as far as the reality consumption there, just because I usually am trying to mix in like one other like defensible TV show. So House of the Dragon was big this fall. Right. Finishing up right now the last season of Atlanta on FX. Um, I usually mix, try and mix in in the off season, like at least one new anime. Cause I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z and a lot of that okay. stuff. So I did attack on Titan before the season got started. And, uh, I think I'm looking, I think full metal alchemist was the next one that someone recommended to me. So looking down that path there, but it's trying to balance a bunch of things on the TV front. So I've got to be very choosy when it comes to the reality dating side. It's so hard. I, I always tell people, cause it's the same thing as you. And they recommend TV shows to me. I'm like, guys, I just don't have time. Baseball and football season. I don't have time. Catch me like in that little month between the Super Bowl and, you know, opening day for the MLB. I'm not that into the NBA or hockey. So, like, I'll dive in. And and you also got to think, like, trying to push a show on someone is the surest way to get them to not like it. It's the right. Ted Lasso effect where <laughs> people that were late additions to that heard so much about how great it was from everyone that I'm sure our natural reaction is to always be like, all right, it can't be that great. Like, yeah leave me alone but right. it is ted lasso is that great i'm not going to recommend it to you because i don't do that but <laughs> if it's just lying around and it happens to be there and you pick it up wouldn't be the worst decision all right just just keep that in mind yeah. so you never made it around to dated and related on netflix N- no did, did well, you not see that dated and related yes please tell me that is not not like no it's not like west virginia all um, right i was <laughs> i was gonna say like <laughs> I had some questions because that sounds real like Game of Thronesy, Right. So this show, I actually have like a personal interest in it because I have a theory I'll get to. But this show pretty much, it takes place in the south of France. Okay. And you go on with a sibling and you and your sibling both, you, you have to multitask, which not a lot of young attractive people are good at. You have to find love while also being a wingman or wingwoman for your sibling. Oh. So you get like sibling double dates. And oh, man. So I've got a theory that I, I came out here about a year and a half ago uh-huh. and did a dating show pilot. Wow. And it was for a Netflix show. And on this pilot, I was on the show with my dad and my dad's job was to pick a girl for me. I've never actually talked about this pilot on Sorala wow. Sports Talk. So I have a theory that after a few edits and adjustments – Maybe they changed it from parents to siblings because there were five yeah. five main characters, myself oh. included, with our parent. And then there was a group of like 15 that the parents were choosing from for their kids to date. I have a feeling this might have been the pilot for Dated and Related. Wow. You should absolutely run with that as your version of like – yeah, don't just let put any- that in like the Raya profile. Yes, don't yeah. let don't let anyone ever talk you out of that. That's fascinating <laughs> and also interesting to consider what the delta is between mom or dad's choice and brother or sister's choice for a potential spouse. Because I, I would feel like even as similar as most families or as close as most families could be, mm-hmm. what one offers or looks at versus the other is going to be so wildly different. And I'd have been probably more curious to see the parent version of that. I mean, that would have been incredible. I feel like. For most situations, the sibling would be much more shallow. 
But in my well, situation, my think, dad is probably the most shallow person I know. So he was great uh, for that. <laughs> I think it also depends because, like, both of my siblings are married. Mm -hmm. And so I think they're going to approach it different than if you've got a sibling like that on that show where you're both trying to wing for each other. Yeah. Like, you're both single, so you might both, in theory, dip a little, you know, have a little bit less depth to the pool versus, like, my two married siblings are going to be like, no, we're getting you married, Mike. You're 33. Quit <laughs> messing around with this. It's getting weird now. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting weird now. You can't be the single uncle forever man no exactly lord knows i'm trying though. You're, you're killing that role you really are i see I, it on instagram man it's like how many dms do you get every time you post a picture yeah no little uh yeah the little the little kids certainly draw it out but uh <laughs> you know i like to say it's given me time to be able to be there now my brother's got a kid so that's my first actual nephew but between all my buddies in college you know we're so we're 33 now we graduated in 2012 most of them got married in our mid-20s and started having kids by our mid to late 20s and so i have probably 12 to 13 kids that have been calling me Uncle Mikey for the better part of the last six years. So I've had a lot of time to focus on that stuff, which has been cool because it's been fun to see my friends become parents and all that stuff. And yeah. so it has allowed me to focus less on my own dating life and not have to really put that at the forefront because I can just lie and say, hey, listen, I'm focused on being there for the people in my life that I care about here. I'm always there for the children. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that love, really love plays the kids. well. Love the kids. <laughs> Mikey loves the kids. Uh, before we get onto the fourth donut, fourth topic. Last question, real quick one. Which goal like, would you pick to set you up with someone? Ooh. Um, I would say – I would say probably my sister. I think she's got a kind of a good beat on that. I think her and I are really similar personality-wise. It's splitting hairs because I think most of my family would do a good job on that. My mom would be the most – overzealous she'd be very excited about it because right. i'm the last of her kids that is unmarried so it's kind of a goal now um <laughs> my dad god love him it would be like the simplest version of it it would just be hey be yourself do it makes you happy like oh this person's nice like he's got a, a very laid-back approach to all this my brother would be much the same way he's he's also one that i think would do well in that but i'll, I'll give sydney the top billing there you go there you go fourth donut let's let's uh Let's dive in. So we've got the crumb cake one. Is that the one that you were yeah. interested in? Yeah. Oh, wait. Is this that, the, that's buttermilk. That's buttermilk yeah. still? All right. This is the crumb cake then? Yeah. Let's right. dive into this crumb cake. Little piece of heaven. That is. That is. That's a solid eight. That's really good. That's a really good donut. That's moist. Not not to overuse it, but the, the inside there was good. Yeah. All of these have done a really good job of that. Like these are, these are made with ten, tender loving care. Yeah. So... This and the fritter right now are my top two. I would probably put the uh, butter, the butterfly or whatever that one is. Oh, yeah? This, the I cinnamon might, roll butterfly? I might put that in the two spot, but this is a close number three. Wow. Okay, there you go. So fourth thing I want to get to. Uh, you mentioned, you know, a lot of your college teammates have had kids recently. Yeah. Um, well, I want to bring up another one of your former college teammates because there was a Deadspin article recently that said you are most famous for being Manti Teo's teammate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That Deadspin article was incredible. Yeah. It, no, it they, wrote, they roasted my ass good. All about nepotism in sports and, uh, you know. Just pretty much said you're nothing without your pops and you're most famous for being Manti Teo's teammate. What was – No notes. What was your reaction to to seeing that article? Oh, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I get the way that people feel now. As people have pointed out, the quality of Deadspin has um, regressed greatly mm -hmm. over the years. So, 
I thought they missed some opportunities for stuff. The only thing of that, like, it, I, seriously, the only thing that pissed me off was that they said anything even remotely, like, dismissive about dad's career. You can say whatever you want about me. What he did is unassailable yeah. and two-time Radio Hall of Fame worthy. So they can get bent on that and pound every <laughs> inch of sand uh, for what they said on that front. Um but um, no, I, I always said I, I don't begrudge anyone for how they felt about my entry into this business, right? I, I got my foot in the door at ESPN because of my last name. I make no secret of that. It was, you know, painfully obvious to everyone around. Yeah. And I said early on there, if people felt some type of way about me being there, I get it. They're entitled to those feelings. Nepotism is something that has uh limiting and kind of gatekeeping effect on certain people that want to work their way into a lot of industries. We talk about it in coaching and certainly we see it on the broadcast side. And so I said it was my job to go in and show, not tell, not say. It was my job to show people I was committed to doing the work, I had something to offer, and that I was going to be a great teammate. It was the same as walking into a locker room as a freshman. You're there to be seen, not heard, which sounds funny because my job was <laughs> to radio. talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which sounds funny, but I think more of the behind-the-scenes stuff, just about the approach, it was, all right, be seen, not heard. you got to show people through work. It's got to be like that mentality all over again of walking in and having to earn the trust of leadership in a given locker room. And, you know, uh, uh, when I left ESPN, I got a lot of nice notes and, you know, the Twitter day happens where everyone does it like it's your eulogy and they act like you're dead. <laughs> right. Um, and I got to watch it happen for dad when we did his last show uh, with ESPN radio the year before. But seeing a lot of those notes, it, 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 it you know, it, outside of like the ego stuff, which we all like, you know, seeing there, it was just nice to see that that part at least had resonated with people that had been my teammates and that to some extent I had accomplished some of what I set out to do, which was to just go and show I was committed to the work and, and earn the respect of the people I worked with along the way. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, maybe, you know, it was easier for you to you to get your foot in the door at ESPN than other people because of that. But like you got there and you killed it. And, you know, we both know Justin Craig very well. Yeah, he's not putting anyone on air at ESPN if, if they don't deserve to be on air at ESPN. No, exactly. And and, you know, I, I, I and I hear people say that, you know, you got your foot in the door, but, you know, you had to keep yourself there. And I understand. And it doesn't change the conversation around nepotism. It, it, it is an important one. And one I understand, I have a very awkward place in anytime that comes up and I do discuss it. But uh, again, you know, it's it's like a, a lot of things that we see around this industry. And sometimes it gets pointed out with, you know, former players that were great that walk in and are immediately in a lead role there because of what they accomplished as a player. There's a whole variety of ways that people get there in life. People get to different places because of relationships. And again, I think while we can still have that conversation because it does affect marginalized groups more than anyone else. Yes. It is always going to be about what you do when you're there and making sure that your impact is overall a positive one. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, look, I respect the hell out of it. I just, I, that article, when that popped up, it, it was cracking me up. Oh <laughs> man. I was just, I, they, they I was, went in on you. <laughs> they got my ass good on that one. Good company on that one too. It's just amazing. Now looking too. the one thing I will say is I, I, I saw in that article, a lot of them were play-by-play -play guys, like, right. you know, Noah Eagle, Noah Eagle and, Collinsworth. Yeah, and Jack. And I saw Jack uh, said the other day, it was like an awful announcing article, that he said he'd love to call a game with his dad. He thinks it'd be awesome with the yeah. chemistry they have. And I thought that was one of the cool things is looking up and down that list. Most of those guys, you know, and some guys whose, you know, dads were far older and some of whom no longer with us, you know, Joe and Jack Buck. Right. Um, Wes Durham, who does a great job with the ACC Network and covering sports down there. Uh, the voice for the Atlanta Falcons also. Um, with those guys, like 
a lot of the people on that list didn't get to work with their dad. Mm. I got to work with my dad for two and a half years, yeah. which will, you know, be the career highlight for both of us for as long as we go here. But I just always thought that was cool. And I hope Jack at some point gets that opportunity. I got to call a couple of football games with my dad. That was the first shot we got to work together was calling the, I think the, we called the Pinstripe Bowl together one year when it was Pitt and Northwestern. We called a Temple and Navy game at the link together. So we got a couple of shots at that before the radio show that kind of were our first chance to do that and to get to have that father-son moment in a way that we weren't always sure was going to happen. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's what everyone dreams of. I mean, look, like my dad doesn't work in this industry, but I'm I'm in this industry because of him. Yeah. And getting to do that with your dad is, is amazing. We've got two more donuts, two more topics. You want to get the jelly out of the way? Yeah, let's save, go ahead and bite the bullet on that yeah, one Yeah, save the buttermilk for last. Yeah. Let's see. One bite. Mm. It's a good it's a good glaze around it. Again, I like jelly in a lot of circumstances. Donuts just aren't one of them. Okay. I actually love that. I mean, raspberry is probably my favorite jelly flavor. Mm. I'm going to give that a seven. You're probably, what do you lean more, like four? I mean, it's a five. It's well done. Okay. It's just not a donut. It's going to be last because I don't like jelly-filled donuts. Right, but right, right. As far as the quality of it, everything's been top-notch. They know what they're doing. Okay, well, sorry. I fucked up. I got a jelly donut in there, <laughs> but the, the rest of it's been working out. Hey, let, let's stick to food. You are – explain your role. Are you a brand ambassador for Chili's? Is that is that what's going on with you and your dad? Uh, you know what? Yeah, like uh, uh, – Chili's has uh new thing, not to like, you know, give them a bunch of free airtime on your podcast, but <laughs> No, it's it's what you're doing, man. They've got they've got a new happy hour menu there. They're trying to really show people that that can be a place where you can go and watch the NFL games. They've got all the TVs. They've upgraded some of their menu items to be a little more adult friendly as right. far as like, you know, the alcoholic beverage side of it. They asked us to kind of help spread the word, and I've been going and eating at Chili's my whole life. Like, <laughs> seeing a Chili's 2 inside an airport is a beacon of light in a dark, dark world for me, so it was awesome for a chance to go hang out there and do all that stuff. I got very familiar with the Chili's in the St. Louis airport during yeah. the layover a few, a few months back. Um, so, you know, I had you on a couple years ago, and we did the Thanksgiving snake draft, right? We're not, we're not going to do a draft, but... Build your ideal Chili's order. I've actually been waiting all show to hear this. Oh, yeah. All right. This one's easy. Um, <laughs> like so appetizer soup to nuts type. Yep. Oh, no. I, I can give you start to finish. I've got this one pretty easy. So uh, start off skillet queso with the chips. Chips oh. and salsa come with everything, but yeah. the skillet queso is something you're going to want to add to the equation. Um, boneless buffalo wings. It's one of the few places I go and eat boneless buffalo wings. Yeah. I think they hit a good mixture of meat to breading ratio, the buffalo sauce sings, all the above. Um, meal is interesting, so I'll give you two options. For me, I would always go and get the grilled shrimp Alfredo. There was a stretch of five years where that was the only thing I ordered at Chili's. Really? Okay, that one actually turns me off a little bit. It, you know what? It shouldn't. Grilled <laughs> shrimp pasta with a little bit of Texas toast on the side. Absolutely incredible. Um, but if that's not your fare, I would also recommend the fajita trio. I would argue that Bam. the sizzling of the fajita tray coming out in the Chili's is one of the few sounds you hear when you enter the gates of heaven. <laughs> so that one you could certainly uh, put in there. And then uh, dessert style, you got to go to the molten lava cake. 100%. So actually, my order is kind of similar. Uh, it's the boneless wings to start. And yep. again, it's the only place I'll ever get a boneless wing. I will go barbecue, though, over buffalo sauce. All right, I'm, yeah. just, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a slut for barbecue sauce. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Um, For the dinner, I'm going with the, the chicken chipotle honey uh, crispers. Yeah. Those, oh, yeah. you know, kind of like you with the Alfredo. Like when I was a little kid going to Chili's, those were the only thing that I would order. Yeah. And uh, even like nowadays, I mean, I just went to Chili's like a month ago for the first time in years. 
and just like 12 year old fat boy in me was like get those it, it immediately all comes rushing back it really does and in the same sentiment instead of getting a beer i got a blackberry iced tea because that that yes. was the order their their iced teas are actually really good iced teas are really good I just enjoy the mugs that they used for so long. Oh, yeah. Easy stackers on the way out for the wait staff too. And it makes everyone happy. Absolutely. And then the chocolate molten lava cake. It's yeah. just that that's the easiest winner. Like you want to impress a girl by taking her to Chili. I mean, I don't know if you'll get a second date if you take her to oh, Chili's. Listen, I think you got a good shot. Especially I, you finish that off with a molten lava cake. That's that's the key right there. That's the you're going home together move. It's uh you know what else is interesting too is we had this whole conversation without acknowledging what I think is like the foundation in most people's minds of Chili's, which is the baby back ribs, just Ooh. because it's the premier jingle of my lifetime the Chili's baby back rib guys are a trio or quartet that I don't think the world knew it needed but now I'm pretty sure could never have lived without yeah I mean I so you're a little older than me right you got got about nine years on me I can't picture a world without those guys yeah exactly so for you maybe like they came in and they changed your life for me they were just always a part of life yeah I, I think they would be like um like the advent of social media, I didn't grow up with any of that stuff right. because of my age, but now it's been such an integral part. That is the Chili's Baby Back Rib song for me. That's amazing. Mike, we've got one more donut. We've got one more topic. Enjoy this one because this last topic, you might end up spitting it out. All right, here we go. Mm. That the, might be number one. The famous buttermilk. That's what they're known for. Yeah. I can see why. Mm-hmm. So I've got this thing in life where... <clears throat> I always like to save the best thing for last Mm -hmm. and just a multitude of things that I do. And uh, we might've saved the best for last here. Truly. No, this is, it's a lot like the fritter, Mm -hmm. but just butterier. Yes. Which thus makes it better. Absolutely. Butter's always better. Amen. So saving the best topic for last. A lot of us have interesting stories, um, you know, growing up of embarrassing things we did that our parents caught us (laughs) doing. And a few years ago I was taking a road trip. You know, I went to St. Bonaventure. So up in the Buffalo area, close to the border. And I was driving up to Toronto and I was listening to the podcast version of your old radio show up in Bristol. And your dad was telling a story about something you did on the family computer with your brother as a kid. Oh yeah. And uh, I I just, I want to hear that story from you because I feel like I've heard it from your dad and it's also been three years. Uh, What, what was the deal when you and your brother got caught watching porn on the family computer? So I want to be clear. My brother got caught. <laughs> I okay. knew what I was doing and was a respectful adult as a, like, 15-year-old. Um, That's how no, old you were. You were 15. I don't remember. We were both in high school okay. at that point. But so that was back at a time where I don't know if it's as common now just because laptops are so ubiquitous. But where you would have the house, like, the family computer. Right. You'd have the one computer that was, like, in your parents' office that was the actual, like, big Apple monitor computer that had the actual hard drive and all that stuff. And so that computer, which was in the office right in the middle of the house, like a brazen place to go and attack this kind of behavior. One day, my brother, like, we both get called to the mat by my dad, brings us down in the basement, and is like, what the hell are you guys doing? That's the family computer. Like, brought my sister down as a prop and said, do you want to tell her what you were watching? Do you want to tell her what you were doing? And we're sitting there like, do you want us to tell her? (laughs) Like, I don't think that's a very good idea. I always said my dad grew like three sizes during that conversation. (laughs) He was full grizzly bear man. And so obviously we didn't say anything. He sat down there and read us the riot act on that thing. And after I I came to find out that it was because my brother had pulled up porn on the computer. Mm -hmm. And then instead of 
didn't close it, didn't delete the browser history, didn't clear cookies or the cache or anything like that. Just minimize the window <laughs> down to the bottom right of the screen. So he just had full-blown porn hanging out of the bottom of the screen where anyone could access it. And that was back when the monitors were, like, huge, Yes! Right? <laughs> so it was basically, like, the size it would be on your phone right now. It was one oh, of the more insanely man. lazy moments. And that was the only thing I was mad at my brother about was that it was so lazy in the attempt. Like, obviously, my dad wasn't that mad, but he had to make a point because it was reckless behavior that my brother displayed there. Yeah. But I was just like, dude, like, the, the red, just hit the red dot instead of the yellow one and definitely not the green one. <laughs> These are very easy instructions that you can follow to make this experience safe for everybody. So, yeah, this that could have been avoided. It, it was so easily avoidable. Uh, but again, my brother's just sheer laziness with uh, Internet porn. Do you remember what the video was? That you, like, no, you remember your God, dad? I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not that sick. I can tell you that much. Like, I I can barely remember quarterbacks and people that I played with. I definitely can't replace that video from like 2005. But uh, that's when it was, huh? I I, I think at this point, Jeez. man, I hit my head into against a lot of people in college <laughs> and uh, and drank a fair amount. So all dates are subject to a little bit of wiggle room and standard deviation. But uh, yeah. Man, that was uh, uh, definitely a tough one there. But yeah, do you want do you want to tell your sister what you guys were doing up there Ooh. on the computer? And we're just like, oh, no, like it'd be really awkward. Sorry, <laughs> right. when I did it, I was I didn't have any siblings yet. My siblings are all pretty much a lot younger than me. I was uh, I feel like this is a bad look. I was nine years old when I got oh caught. Oh my god. <laughs> What? So I, I was nine years old. It was the family computer, and I was a big like Disney Channel kid, right? So I used to watch, <laughs> I used to watch a lot of High School Musical when I was oh, in that okay. age. All right, man, I was I was really worried about <laughs> yeah. the direction that this was going in front of live microphones. I was right. I'd be like, you don't have to do yes. this. <laughs> so you know, a certain High School Musical star uh -huh. had pictures get released. Oh god! And nine year old me was like, ah, oh, well, you know, I thought she was hot in that movie. Let me oh, let me see what all the talk's about. And uh, it was on the family desktop oh god yeah yeah this is a lesson learned for everyone man number one you know nowadays just do it on the phone everyone's got their everyone's got their own devices but also just you know be respectful of other people's space if you're operating in, in a space like that that multiple people use be smart about it understand it's not just your computer this might be your moment. It's not your computer. <laughs> definitely was my moment. Definitely. Yeah, no, God, that was that was definitely your moment. I want to make that clear. That was Joe's moment and not my moment. That was his moment that he belongs to on this podcast. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. That, this was the Serralo Thick Six. First time that's ever been done. Mike Golick Jr., man. It was great to have you back in person. First time in like two years, I think, that uh, we've done this in person, right? Yeah. No, nice to be able to, uh, you know, it's been a, a wild last few years for everyone and a bad one, so getting to do stuff like this always fun man man thanks so much for coming in that's it episode 90 of serralo sports talk i'll see you guys next week thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube